Hello everyone and I hope you've had a great week. Now last weekend was glorious, perfect weather to enjoy your Bretzel Sonntag. This weekend, a little bit colder, which is rather disappointing because I was hoping to go to, I think it's called Lellingen, to visit the daffodils and to have a stroll around there. But I'm not sure how well the daffodils will fare if it does snow. Now, today, as always, we have a packed show with the international people who come to Luxembourg, work and live in Luxembourg or even grew up here. To start with, we're going to have a look back at some of the news, not quite in the headlines with Sasha Keo, newsreader from The Samstein Show which you can catch every morning, Monday to Friday, 6 to 10 a.m. Then we'll also welcome Charles-Louis Machuron, CEO of Silicon Luxembourg, Anna Selevsky, CEO of Scroble, and comedian Marta Correa. Sasha, welcome to the show. Great to see you again. Hello, Lisa. I like our Friday morning chats. And I was just summary. about to say the same thing. It's so nice to be here on Fridays and to see you and just have that, that look back at the week in slightly different news. And as always, you've come up with some brilliant stories. And we're going to kick off with Ukraine, but slightly different angles. Yeah, I think uh, it's important because it's such a quick developing story that if you try and give an update on what's going on, I mean, at the beginning of the week, I think there was some optimism about peace talks, possible Russia withdrawing their troops. By today, you're back to square one and it does seem that they're not uh, withdrawing troops, they're just deploying them somewhere else. And Trust is uh, rather a large issue. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I think it is hopeless to try try and uh, do a weekly roundup of, of Ukraine. No, we can't. But um, very interestingly, there's an Auchan boycott. Yes. So uh, that was started by the Ukrainian foreign minister actually pointing out that many French companies had not withdrawn from Russia. So it started with uh, carmaker Renault was still in Russia. They have since actually uh, announced that they will leave Russia. And the Leroy Merlin group, which includes Auchan. I had seen things on Facebook talking about Auchan boycotts here in Luxembourg. But by naming it, by the foreign minister naming it, I think uh, it, it started a whole new momentum. And uh, there is now a, a big group of people who refuse to shop there. Um, there have been protests as well, not so much in Luxembourg, I think, I think in France. Yeah. But it will be interesting whether they change their minds. I mean, one of the shops in that same group that has changed their mind is Decathlon. Oh, also owned by the same yes. umbrella company. Yes. Gosh, I'm learning so much about retail. I didn't <laughs> I know. know. <laughs> well, we talked about globalisation yes, before, didn't absolutely. we? Absolutely, we did. Yeah, everything is connected somewhere. <laughs> Um, so they have decided to withdraw, but um, Auchan is is still holding fast, as right. far as I understand. It is really interesting. And of course, the flip side of this is that we have Putin coming out and saying, well, actually, uh, I'm going to just uh, put a hold on gas, oil, unless you pay me in rubles, etc. So it goes both ways. It's a very tricky rolling of the dice on both sides. All I can say is I'm very glad I'm an observer and I'm not in the political sphere because I think it's incredibly hard to find the right path of negotiation through this uh, tactical negotiation, just getting people to the table. Although I do also think if there were more women, it might go better. Yes, that's always uh, an idea, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, it's going to be so interesting next week, you know, whether this is just a bluff with the rubles. France and Germany have said we're not going to be blackmailed. But, but what happens? That's going to be a big problem. <laughs> they need the they need the gas. Right, moving on to French presidential elections. That is coming up, but it's sort of been sidelined 
by the rest of the news. Yes, I feel it has. I haven't paid the sort of same amount of attention to the French presidential elections. The first round voting will be on April the 10th. And indications are that Macron is the absolute favourite, although he's done very little campaigning. He has obviously been in touch very directly with Russia. He is the one who has been um, calling President Putin more than any other EU leaders and I think tried to negotiate things like the Red Cross humanitarian convoy that should be happening today in Mariupol. But that is all down to Macron. And I think French people feel that he has got a more important job to do at the moment than go on the campaign trail. Well, that's what the polls are suggesting. Yeah, well, that's definitely to be respected because campaigns can take so much time and energy away from the actual work of the job. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has that now started with everyone else. And his main rival seems to be Marine Le Pen, who has toned down her rhetoric a lot, so much so that other right-wingers are saying she's too woke, uh, which is quite funny. Um, But she seems to be his main rival. So unless there's a huge upset, she should be the the one who goes with Macron to the second round, Mm -hmm. uh, which is then later in April. Yeah, so there hasn't been much change on the political landscape in France then over the last five years. Well, no, it would be exactly the same. The other candidates seem not to be have huge momentum behind them. There's a left-wing candidate. There was another woman who was in charge of, of northern France, but she doesn't seem to have raised much interest. Moving on to other stories this week. Now, Afghanistan, things are not going so well there, unfortunately, for women. Well, it's, it's sad and I guess very predictable mm-hmm. um, that yeah. the Taliban have gone back on their promises for education for girls. It was an extraordinary situation at the beginning of the week. Some girls went to their secondary school only to be told to go home to pack up their bags. And since then, there have been lots of other announcements like women uh, not being allowed to fly unaccompanied on, on planes without a chaperone for men to grow beards, seem to be turning the clock back. And I think any hope that the West had that they would be able to do a sort of carrot and stick approach with with aid, that they promised to keep women in education, for example, that seems to not be working. The hard hardliners seem to be winning within the Taliban. It's desperately sad. It's It's just so tragic to see history fall backwards a little bit and the hopes for women in the education and uh, I heard child marriages on on the increase as well which is really quite sickening when I think of the age of my own daughters for instance and I just just yeah, it makes me feel very, very but all Ill. these things are slightly falling off the news agenda unfortunately mm. aren't mm-hmm. they yeah um, I mean there's a lot of um, talk about the fact that we're not concentrating on issues such as that or on the migrant issue from places like Afghanistan or other war-torn regions in the world yeah yeah moving on to science we have got news from the Hubble telescope <laughs> I do quite like you must story. quite like I this do story, I do you? thank you for throwing it in <laughs> So they have found a new star, um, which is always uh, very exciting, isn't it? And they've they've named it as well. And they've given it quite a Lord of the Rings name. It's called Irondel. Beautiful, beautiful name. 
Um, I always wonder who gets to name the stuff. <laughs> Is it the person who first? Hopefully the finder has a, a vote. <laughs> and it's taken 12 point, oh, over 12 point billion years to reach the Earth. So that is quite extraordinary because it's like a well, it's like a time capsule, isn't it? I mean, you yeah. probably understand it much better than me. Well, yeah, it says here, I'm just looking at uh, an article, 12.9 billion years, the light. It's That's how far away its light is. I mean, actually, just thinking about what a light year in itself is... Um, quite hard to mentally digest sometimes yet the space in space the the gaps between things is um it's beyond our everyday comprehension i think yeah i'm i'm really bad at all things space i'm fascinated no, but it becomes you're, you're not bad nobody's so. bad i think we just all have an innate fascination because it makes our place here on earth seem so minute and it is we are so minute compared to all these things. And yet we also have this microscopic world going on, you know, in our eyelashes and various other parts of our bodies. So, the, you know, we have the microscopic and the macroscopic on space. So we, we live in an amazing world, actually. Yeah. Wait, so thank you for adding that story. <laughs> but now on to a very exciting story, Boris Becker. And it turns out you have interviewed him a few times. So tell us what has been happening with Boris Becker. Well, I feel a bit sorry for him, actually, because uh, when when I was working in London for various German TV stations, he was one of the, the German celebrities or sort of sports people that was always available. Um, and he was quite young and very arrogant and um, just seemed to have it all, you know, commentator for Wimbledon and, um, you know, the all the life and glamour of a very, very rich man. And He's now at Southwark Crown Court, which is a court in London. Um, not only has he been declared bankrupt, that, that happened five years ago, but actually what he's in court for is for hiding money and trophies when he was declared bankrupt. The trophies, that's and, so sad. Yes, exactly. It's it's rather pathetic that it's you're talking about Wimbledon trophies. I mean, he's a six time Grand uh, Slam winner. Uh, mm. He, you know, he won Wimbledon at the age of seventeen. My God, he was such a star. Mm. And and there he is. And apparently, you know, details are coming out. Even when the bailiffs basically came round, he had to offer them his wedding ring. Oh, um, uh, but he has been hiding money and businesses, and he's ca- claiming, like a lot of a lot of celebrities do probably is genuine that he just didn't keep an eye on his finances he had a very expensive lifestyle expensive divorces you probably remember the story of uh, he has a child out of uh, wedlock i I, I do remember the pictures in a cupboard somewhere (laughs) um so he says you know that that all used up all the cash that he had, but he seems to have also had a very large property in in Spain and uh, various businesses in Germany <laughs> yeah. that he forgot to mention. But the, the stress is on the fact that he has not got these trophies, that he's kind of hid them and is now saying, I've got no idea where they are. And he cut why a bit would they, Why would they take the trophies? Of what value is that to the bailiffs? Yeah, I, you, would, you wouldn't think, I mean, they're not, gold are they but no i, I guess don't they, think so i guess they have a resale value um, because they because are one belonging to him. him but i just feel that's very sad for me i can understand you know declaring businesses and various properties in different countries that's kind of perhaps an oversight <laughs> yes. but the trophies you know that's a different story i think but yeah well i guess they're after him aren't they um yeah. but you know once you've hidden a few things they're gonna really go for it but he cut a rather pathetic figure sort of he's been turning up at court just 
looking quite old and puffy and oh. even with a sort of cardboard box. I don't know. It oh, was a very so different Boris to the one, uh, well, 20 years ago. Yeah. And when <laughs> you interviewed him, what, it, what was he like? Well, as I say, really super confident, quite arrogant, um, but nice, funny. You know, he's a, he's a great tennis commentator, isn't he? Yes, so um, yeah. he, you know, he, he was, yeah, he had the life. He did, he did. He did have the life and now he has a slightly different life. But um, we, we have to live with the choices we make sometimes. Yeah. Even if those choices at times were hedonistic and lead down the wrong path. I guess it's always surprising, isn't it, that celebrities yeah. seem to, this seems to happen all the time. I mean, look at what happened at the Oscars. I know we yes. don't need to really talk about it because yeah. everybody knows about uh, yeah. the slap. But, you know, again, you look at someone, you're kind of watching a car crash, really. It's like, it's your reputation. I mean, Will Smith is so loved. Um, he and he was, a, yeah. He was so loved and he won the Oscar, of course. Yes. And, yeah, I mean, we did well to avoid that story till now, didn't we? We did very <laughs> well. <laughs> but you're right, that brings up a lot of questions as to what we should think about it. In fact, ethically, it brings up a lot of questions. Yes, I mean, it's been such a talking point yeah. all week. It's actually overshadowed uh, all, all, all the other news, hasn't I it? I know, I know. The day after when I woke up and it was <laughs> all over the news, I thought, oh, this is interesting. <laughs> I was really struck, not so much when I rewatched the footage in the evening. Mm. Um, and it was when he, having slapped Chris Rock, which wasn't uh, in the moment thing. He, he must have thought about it because, uh, you know, it took quite a long time to go from his seat and react up to the stage. Yeah. It's when he returned to his seat and then he was kind of sitting and still obviously so out of control, angry. He was mm. uh, swearing and and that to me seemed so out of order, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And interesting that his wife didn't say anything. no. No. She took quite a long time to react on Instagram, basically yes. saying, move on. Yes, yes, yeah. That is a large story, but it's been covered by many, many people. So yes, we, absolutely. We leave that one for, you know, uh, personal or social digestion. Uh, the World Happiness Survey. Where does Luxembourg sit on this spectrum? Well, not surprisingly, quite high up, actually. Uh, it's number six. Not bad. Um, which is pretty good, I think. Um, and Finland comes number one for the fifth time, which I, I always find quite surprising because... You, <laughs> well, I think of the, Finland. I've not been either. I think of the weather, though, and I think of yes. the darkness and what that could do to people. But obviously, they seem to uh, survive that somehow very well indeed. Well, in fact, all the Nordic countries are extremely high. So, I mean, it, it is based on GDP and healthcare and uh, people's own sense of well-being. Um, So, you know, they score highly, as does Luxembourg. But what I found quite surprising is how low other countries come. So, for example, Italy isn't in the top 20. Oh, Uh, France is number 20. And I think of those two countries uh, with a population that's incredibly, maybe frustrated with their politics, but very happy people. (laughs) Well, (laughs) um, yeah, the Italians, yeah, I think are very happy people and they have a, a good lifestyle there's sometimes the connotation oh gosh I don't know if I can put this on the show um, 
uh, I listened to a very interesting talk recently where it had various scales of how people communicate from different nationalities on the confrontation spectrum. The French are quite confrontational, which can make people feel quite Stressed angry, and angry internally. Mm. And maybe that affects the, I don't know, I'd need to see what the, the points of uh, the survey are. But you're right, you know, they're lovely places to visit. I don't know what they're like to live in. I've yes. never lived in these places. But um, yeah, that is quite low. But Sasha, as always, thank you so much. I know that we have a couple of weeks where one or other of us is on a little Easter vacation with family. So I wish you a lovely Easter vacation wherever you'll be, even thank if it's you. like just cocooned at home, anything at all, with lots of sleep, I hope. And uh, very much thank look forward very much. to having you back in a couple of weeks' yeah, time. We'll see you then. Thank Thanks. you, Sasha. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Lisa Burke Show, where I'm delighted to welcome my guests for this Saturday morning. Charles-Louis Macheron, Annette Zalewski and Marta Correa. Welcome to you all. Hi, morning. Welcome. I think, let's do that one more time. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi. Morning. <laughs> That's better. It's really good to have you all here. So a little introduction to you all then. When Charles-Louis Machon, a Parisian, arrived here in Luxembourg in 2009 to join an e-commerce startup, he quickly noticed a gap in the Luxembourg media market. Young entrepreneurs, startups and innovative companies weren't being talked about enough. So with Charles's background in media and marketing, he decided to launch a blog in his spare time. This is pre-children and this was back in 2013. He named that blog Silicon Luxembourg, a spin-off, of course, California's booming tech hub Silicon Valley. Charles's blog was focused on sharing startup and entrepreneurial news in Luxembourg with a simple objective to place Luxembourg's startup ecosystem on the world stage. Soon after launching the blog, Charles realised its potential and took the entrepreneurial plunge to turn his side project into a full-time job. So with government initiatives like Digital Luxembourg and the numerous incubation programmes and events kicking off, Silicon Luxembourg was there from before day one, ready to share the news of the nation's startup ecosystem. Anna Zalewski is the founder, inventor and CEO at Scroble, the world's first product experience technology, enabling seamless connected shopping, an end-to-end product which will eliminate the gap between online and in-store shopping. It also aims to improve sustainability in fashion. Microsoft is an early stage supporter and partner of Scroble, and Scroble is also part of the Luxembourg trade mission. And finally, Marta Correa. You might recognise that name from a previous podcast that we've done on comedy in Luxembourg. She calls herself an accidental comedian who picked up a mic as a dare at the end of last year, just as her life was falling apart. That makes me so sad to read, but you've made good use of it. (laughs) She is often mistaken for a Brit because of her twisted sense of humour, mother of two teenage boys in her spare time. And when she's not a comedian, she works the EIB. Or perhaps she can combine both worlds. Although I'm not sure how comedy and the EIB fit together, but we will dive into that later. Charles-Louis, I want to start with you. Tell us about the journey of Silicon Luxembourg from a blog to what is now a media outlet. Thank you, Lisa, for uh, welcoming uh, all of us uh, to today. Um, well, Silicon Luxembourg now, uh, it's uh, almost n- nine years. We will celebrate like, the, the ninth anniversary uh, uh, in a few months. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's been a crazy, uh, crazy journey because when, when I had this idea of launching a blog, I, I even didn't have any experience, you know, launching a blog or even writing articles. And today we are producing uh, a magazine, podcast, video series. We have a team of uh, six, uh, six people and a dozen of freelancers as well. So, yeah, it became something really like uh, unexpected from the very beginning. But today I'm really turning this uh, this initial idea of a blog into like a, a, a sustainable media company in Luxembourg. So this is really now the, the, the vision is now that Silicon Luxembourg is really a, a, a brand uh, in the media landscape. And I would like that, uh, yeah, in the, ne in the near future, that uh, it become part of the of the main media also in, uh, in, in Luxembourg. So I'm really happy with the uh, with Silicon Luxembourg, uh, what we achieved uh, so far, and um, yeah, the, the vision we have for the for the next years, uh, I'm always very pleased to to see um, what the team is uh, is doing every day now. Well, the funny thing is, you write about entrepreneurs and the startup ecosystem, and in fact, that's what Silicon Luxembourg is. So, when you were writing these pieces, did you get any ideas yourself about how to create a team, the pitfalls, what works? I mean, how did you go about becoming this entrepreneur yourself? Well, uh, to be honest, it's a bit uh, learning by doing. So <laughs> when, when I, I started um, uh, Silicon Luxembourg, I didn't have any, also any experience in the uh, entrepreneurial field. Uh, I used to work with uh, with a few entrepreneurs and and startups. So uh, I saw a little bit how, how how they were also managing and turning the their ideas into into projects. So really, when I, I started Silicon Luxembourg, so the, the blog, uh, then it became much more like so my own startup as well. And it took time to, to, to launch the blog, then that uh, the, the startup ecosystem also um, grew also in, in, in Luxembourg. So Silicon Luxembourg also grew with the ecosystem at, at, the, at the same time. So we're a bit like a, a startup for startups. Yeah, <laughs> you, you've grown in parallel. You've seen exactly. all of that startup ecosystem come into being here mm -hmm. in Luxembourg. Exactly, and um, and regarding the the ideas, of course, there are so many great ideas around. So, of course, I'm always uh, meeting a lot of entrepreneurs, and uh, I love the, the the ideas and the the way they they would like to to turn these ideas into into projects, into uh, again sustainable companies. Um, and sometimes I would like sometimes to to launch also different uh, different things, but. Uh, uh, really today I, I said to myself that okay I, I should be really 100% focused on Silicon Luxembourg and really make this uh, this media happen in the in the landscape uh, ecos uh, and ecosystem here in Luxembourg so you said something really interesting there you said you see so many startup companies um, with loads of ideas there's lots of ideas around in fact I don't think most people in the world are short of ideas but the point is getting that idea into an actionable outcome and then you said a sustainable company and I'm interested in that. You do meet a lot of entrepreneurs and you see their initial journeys. Do you follow them or do you see also a lot of companies fail? Well, we, we, we see uh, companies failing and companies succeeding. Of course, it's the, the, the life of an entrepreneur. Sometimes it works, sometimes it, uh, it, it doesn't work. People, they have ideas. And now it's really now how you take the risks what is the energy you put in in, in your project as well mm -hmm. um i think i had the, maybe the chance to launch this uh, th this blog by, by, by myself uh some people they are also surrounded with uh, also other um, business partners or uh, co-founders and and so on so 
I would say that first of all, it depends on the the project you have and the, the team you, you you need from the very beginning. Would you like to launch it with uh, with friends, with uh, I don't know, business partners, with uh, uh, family members, or would you like to launch it by by yourself? It really depends uh, from 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 the very beginning. Uh, I saw also like many entrepreneurs they are attending events. Um, and they are also taking the time uh, before launching their own project. Sometimes it takes maybe one, two, three years before uh, they come back to, to us and say, hey, by the way, now we are, we are officially launching the, um, our ideas. Um, so we, we have the chance to, to, to meet these entrepreneurs through a series of events since the very beginning. And I think it's uh, important to, to know that with Silicon Luxembourg, since the very beginning, we, we started organizing community events. And so we can meet uh, entrepreneurs and people interested in the entrepreneurial field um, yeah, on a monthly basis or re a, a few times a year. So we see a little bit, you know, what are their questions and um, yeah, how they are processing their, mm -hmm. their, their ideas. Which is really nice because, you know, alongside everything else you've done, you've created this community where people can network from just that, that initial stage where they have the idea but they don't perhaps have the confidence to put mm -hmm. that idea into action and then chat to people in these apero events that you have been organizing pre-covid and probably mm -hmm. it's going to come back again now is it yeah it's uh so yeah, we, we restarted uh, so this uh, community event so the monthly uh, after work we call the startup apero and during the lockdown we organized this uh, startup apero online on, yeah. uh, so we had like <laughs> insta apero and uh, yeah we 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 were all then talking also to the community as well i think um also with, with silicon Luxembourg, what, what i really want is really to, to connect entrepreneurs and to help them meet yeah other uh, again other entrepreneurs to to, to listen to uh, different stories uh, to meet maybe sometimes uh, uh, investors or developers or uh, so, so so many people are, are coming to uh, to these community events and really the, the purpose um yeah of those events is really to, to, to connect people and to, mm -hmm. to say, okay, uh, with Silicon Luxembourg and with my previous experience, I, I got the chance to, to meet um, know, politicians or um, uh, public institutions, uh, private companies, investors, so many, many people. And what I want is really to, to help people to connect directly with, uh, with, with these people through events, through uh, the stories we are sharing on, the, on Silicon Luxembourg. So, um, we want to, to highlight uh, the project of the entrepreneurs here in Luxembourg. And yeah. this is the, the most important for, for us to say that here in Luxembourg, we have a digital economy now, uh, much more than only startups. Uh, so we could talk about digital education, digital finance, digital, a bit everything now. <laughs> and uh, the idea is to say, okay, we have wonderful ideas in Luxembourg and we would like to, with Silicon Luxembourg to to showcase uh, these stories and to to highlight uh, these entrepreneurs. You've become this very global showcase platform, really, for, for everything, really, from the political level down through the financing level to the incubators, etc., down to the entrepreneurs themselves. Going back to something you said earlier about the team and how one starts up their own entrepreneurial journey, you were alone. Did you have anybody to help you, a mentor or anybody that helped you on this this path that you jumped into? Uh, for, for a long time. So, yeah, I used to, to work uh, by myself. So at the very beginning on the side project, I had a full time job and I was working mostly in the evening, morning and, and, and weekends. Then I started my uh, as a, as a freelancer, uh, so yeah, I used to work also with other freelancers, so I was a bit surrounded with a, a soft team. Yeah. 
And then during the lockdown, um, so I was still uh, doing it by myself. And after the lockdown, I had the, the, the chance to, um, to meet up again with uh, an entrepreneur in Luxembourg. And we, we started uh, doing some mentoring. So he re became my mentor. Uh, so I would like to name it is uh, Patrick Kersen, so the founder of Atom in Luxembourg, uh, the, of Doctena. And um, yeah, I had the chance also to follow uh, Doctena's journey. And um, and then at some time, at some point, he, he had some time to do some mentoring, and we started this association together. And he really helped me to to say, now we can scale Silicon Luxembourg. And he he, he trusted in the trusted in the, in the project, and uh, he gave me uh, the opportunity to to take uh, another risk, meaning that okay the. Now we, we have to hire a team now. It's, uh, yeah. You can do it uh, regarding what you are doing at Silicon Luxembourg. And I think it took me time to, to realize that uh, I had the, the opportunity to have maybe five, six people from the very beginning in the, in the, in the team. And now one year after the, we, we restarted this uh, association, now we are six in the team. So well, congratulations. It was, uh, yeah, it was a good momentum for, for Silicon Luxembourg and uh, the good momentum to, to, to work with him and to, to take this risk. So I would definitely recommend um, entrepreneurs to be surrounded by, at some point, a mentor, uh, to know the mentor a little bit uh, as well, and to, because he can really uh, help, or really help, uh, yeah, taking some, some risk and some, with his experience, he, he, he gave me the, the confidence to say, okay, it's possible. Yeah, what a wonderful mentor you found, though, for yourself. The, uh, the entrepreneur who started uh, Doctena.lu, wonderful. Yeah, but it took, the, it took us time also. We, we met from the, the day he launched Doctena. It was also um, approximately the same day I launched Silicon Luxembourg. So during almost seven years, we follow a bit each other. And I was sharing Doctena's journey on Silicon Luxembourg. Yes, yes. And we, uh, we used to, to, to meet uh, also from time to time. And it happened that at some at some time we it was a, it was a, a moment I, I wanted to to scale Silicon Luxembourg and it was a moment he had some spare time to do some mentoring so it happened but it happened like uh, yeah seven years after the the first uh, the first uh, coffee we we had. Well, and, some uh, things do take time. <laughs> take time, but he has always been the the first the first uh, guest at my startup apéro, the first entrepreneur on my uh, the cover of Silicon Luxembourg. So at some point, it was the, a kind of uh, entrepreneurs I, I wanted to have in the, in Silicon Luxembourg's journey. Yeah, well, that, that's a lovely story, and thank you for sharing that alongside. Um, entrepreneurs such as he, you know, founder of uh, Doctena.lu, etc. Who else do you respect that you've seen, you know, you've met so many entrepreneurs now, whose journey have you really thought, wow, that's extraordinary? I mean, um, I'm amazed by, uh, to be honest, all the, uh, the, the, the entrepreneurs, I mean, uh, it could be sometimes very really young entrepreneurs, the team of uh, A-Note Music, for example, in, in Luxembourg, they're really, uh, uh, a really smart team. And the first time we met again was during a startup apéro. And, uh, Just explain, I've actually met these guys, but yeah. explain to our audience what A-Note Music is. Uh, it's, a, it's a marketplace for music rights. Um, and now I think there are around maybe 10, 15 people in the team in, in, in Luxembourg and they started three, four years ago. And they are young. And they are young <laughs> and I'm really amazed by the energy that they, they, they have. So um, all the entrepreneurs, I have a lot of respect for, 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 for them. Uh, of course, I, I cannot name um, 
yeah every everyone i'm really uh, respecting because uh it's um it's coming from different backgrounds um but yeah i'm respecting the people that are also delivering and doing things also uh properly sometimes being able to to share with you some uh, interesting um yeah ideas and insights of course also the team of uh, petit bamboo as well uh, the meditation app also uh, and part of the team here, here is in luxembourg and one of the co-founder is also uh, really great entrepreneurs and really s with a smart approach of uh, how to do how to do business so um something i really learned during my my journey is really to ask questions so at some point it happened that at silicon luxembourg i i just wanted some uh, uh Yeah, some 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 fresh ideas. So uh, yeah, I sent few few messages to maybe a dozen entrepreneurs in Luxembourg, asking the same questions to have their feedback. And um, yeah, uh, Patrick and, uh, and and Benjamin, for example, were among these uh, these uh, this network of uh, yeah. close entrepreneurs. And I just want to ask you then, before I move on to Anna, why you think Luxembourg can be a good base for entrepreneurs, or is it a good base for entrepreneurs? compared to other cities which might be more famous for it, such as Berlin or London or Silicon Valley? Yeah, I think, I don't know if we can compare to these big cities. I think uh, Luxembourg, uh, again, is a, it's a village. Uh, everyone knows uh, everyone. Uh, the small pass uh, exists uh, really well. Uh, it's a close network of, uh, of entrepreneurs. Um, and um, I think... And since the very beginning, since I, uh, I moved to Luxembourg, I think everything is possible in Luxembourg. And I think it's it's important to, to notice that really when you want to launch a business in Luxembourg, I mean, you can really uh, iterate your project and really launch your, your ideas, even sometimes pick up an, an idea uh, abroad and launch it here in Luxembourg. Of course, the the market is uh, is quite small and really diverse with the uh, uh, with the number of nationalities we, we, we have in Luxembourg. Uh, but I think... Really, you, you can really kickstart a, a company in Luxembourg without having uh, a lot of competition from other uh, startups. Uh, yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, that's helpful. <laughs> uh, and really also what's great that you can really go quickly um, on an international level from Luxembourg. And I think this is really an, an asset in, in Luxembourg that you can have really your international team in, in Luxembourg, iterate your project, really try, uh, ask questions, have really feedback from experienced mentors, um, and then really being able to, yeah, to, 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 to have an international audience after for, yeah. whether it's for clients or for Silicon Luxembourg, we have also an international audience in terms of readers. And it's all possible because in Luxembourg, we have uh, yeah, a lot of entrepreneurs and, and initiatives. So mm -hmm. I would say it's a, it's a, it's a good place to, 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 to be an entrepreneur and to really take a risk. <laughs> take a risk. Well, Anna, you are a lady who took a risk. So, Anna Zalewski, tell us all about Scrobel. What is Scrobel? With pleasure. But first of all, thank you so much for inviting us. Oh, it's a Great pleasure. Idea <laughs> to combine so different people together. And yes, of course, Scrobel is my baby and I'm also happy to present. Scrobel is a first-of-a-kind product experience technology which is created to close the gap between online and offline retail. And the way we do this is a very different one. So we help users to use their mobile phones in the store. You can imagine something like that? I can, but I need, 
I need a little bit more help here. So if I go to a store, talk me through it. I'm going to go to a store and I've got my mobile phone. And so I see, let's say, a scarf I like. What do I do next? Exactly. So what we do, we um, cooperate with brands and retailers who digitize their products on our platform. Through this um, process, they create um, unique codes. These are scrubble codes, which are attached to products in the store. So while you use the scrubble app, you scan these labels and you can instantly see the information about the product. You can save it. You can learn about this. You can share. You can combine. You can connect to brands and other users. And so what is the benefit of me being able to do that in the store compared to just buying what I see and I like? Um, Because, yeah, it's a great question. And also going back to the reason why I have started to create this technology. There are many, many, many um, problems in retail and also for users, but also for businesses. But your question is now about um, users. So users have no time to shop nowadays. I don't know if you experience this with your children. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm quite busy. (laughs) So for me, it was the question, how can I use my spare time to collect the information about products, to scan them and to return back to the product when I want, when I have time. Oh, but I never return. That's the thing. Because you lose the track of the product. No, I either go or I buy. That's it. That's the end of my journey. (laughs) For, for For me personally, it was my pain point. And I also recognize that many people have the same pain point is that uh, entering the store, many of people like something. Yes, that's true. But you don't have time either to try or maybe to think about this. Yeah. We are facing thousand decisions over the day. And this is one of the decisions which sometimes just overwhelming, right? Yes, yes. I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> for me, this is the case, definitely. And also for many, 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 many other users. Yeah. So what we create, we create this um, track between the store, the product and the user. Mm-hmm. And in fact, we're closing the gap between both online and offline. Are you putting people out of jobs by doing this? You think so? I don't know. I'm asking. I don't think so. Are you creating jobs? We are reshaping the market. Yeah, well, it's a very, very good concept. I do understand it now. I do. I needed you to walk me through the example, but I I get it now. I get it now. Ask me. (laughs) So why the name Scrobel? Where does that come from? Uh, it's a fancy name. So I was uh, brainstorming with myself to find the appropriate name because I wanted the verb. I love that brainstorming with myself. This is such an entrepreneurial thing to say. Call it meditation with myself, yeah. call it whatever. I like but that. it was a long process and I cannot say that I came up like within a minute with this. It was a process and well, it should be a verb because I wanted to connect Everything what is done within the application and technology itself is connected to some new verb. I like that. So one day we'll all be scrolling. Exactly. Ah, very clever. Very clever. (laughs) (laughs) I like that very much indeed. So have you any tips on entrepreneurs out there who might be thinking, how can I come up with a good name? Brainstorming. (laughs) With yourself. (laughs) Meditation, go to Himalaya. 
Did you? Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. And what There else? is less oxygen and it's like really uh, something helping. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. What else did you think of up there? your other part of the brain work. Yes. Yeah, so mountain climbing right up there in the Himalayas. What else did you think about up there in the Himalayas? Um, sense of life, um, making different uh, business models. <laughs> wow. Gosh, that's, that's... That's what I like to do, yes. That's a great story. Um, and then I want to actually talk more about your story because it becomes even more interesting right now because you're from Belarus and parts of your team are based in Ukraine, parts are based in Russia. So talk us through how you've been able to manage this team at this time. Yeah, interesting and very difficult question for me because I, I'm not sure I can say that I, I have managed it. <laughs> I'm trying to manage and it's it's really um difficult situation for everyone. It's not only me who can and should and able also to manage it because we are working with uh, uh, three nationalities Well, if I take only those who are now uh, in war. Yeah, because your team is bigger war, than that. You've got people. Yes, I, I've got people from Ukraine. So the CTO, Alek Arlenka, he is uh, from Odessa. He is living also in Luxembourg. But we have another two colleagues in Ukraine. We have also two colleagues in Russia. Now not in Russia because they escaped. But they're Russians. And yeah, we have also three Belarusian colleagues. And the Russians who are on your team, I believe they moved to Sri Lanka yes. presently. But that brings up other issues for them because they can't continue to work in your company if they return to Russia. Well, uh, since two days they're in Georgia. Oh, they've moved since we so, last spoke. Yeah, they're, they're constantly moving because they also now need to apply um, for their documents. They cannot work. Um, they cannot receive money. They can do nothing. It's like uh, they're prisoners of the situation. And, well, they openly also uh, showing that they're against the regime and against all what happens. Nevertheless, the passport <laughs> prevents them from all normal life yeah. attributes, let's say. Yeah, which is so sad because you have this team with these nationalities all working yeah. together for Scroble. Yeah, and it's also amazing because uh, when I see that our Russian colleagues, they are like totally helping the Ukrainian and it's always um, amazing spirit between them. Yeah, It's like something <laughs> what we deal from outside, but it's not the case for, for our team or inside the team. Nobody has a problem with each other. Yeah. And tell us a little bit more about the situation in Belarus, because we haven't heard so much about that recently. It hasn't been so prevalent in the story. But I know, for instance, you've had uh, your own situation there, yeah. which wasn't in the news so much last year. And it was serious. And even your own family have been hit yes, by this. Yes, yes. This is um, <clears throat> also a very difficult question for me. I was uh, very short before contacting you because I was uh, talking to Tessie and she told me I need to come here and need to talk about uh, my father because he was imprisoned last year. Um, for what? Just for going on the street. And uh, he is uh, an old man just was fighting for freedom 
of the country and fighting in the sense of just taking, you know, normal attributes, national attributes to show on the street and demonstrating. And at the end, he was in emergency for one week. And after emergency, they have delivered him in a prison for two weeks. And we like knew three weeks long, nothing about him, not where he is, what is with him, is he alive or not. Yeah, this is my personal situation if I talk about uh, Belarus, but in Belarus, it's uh, a long, long lasting regime. And it's also the reason why what is happening now in, in Ukraine, it's totally connected to uh, the situation in Belarus. It's a replication, actually, only the official invasion. We are not officially invaded, but we are occupied. occupied. Um, I'm so sorry, but thank you for sharing your story. And I hope your father is okay now. He is okay, you know, if you experience something like that, um, and if you're an old person, your life is quite broken. And uh, he is okay, he is a strong man. But, um, well, for myself, uh, I need to cry always when I just think about all this, to be honest. And last year, well, the reason why I didn't contact you because, <laughs> because then other people uh, told me, okay, if you do that, the worst would happen to him also. If you speak about yeah. him. Yeah. So it was for me also the decision to talk or not to talk. It was about maybe his life. We hear this a lot. And I, I obviously, we don't want to put anybody's lives at risk at all. But on the other hand, it's very important to tell the truth and the yeah. story of what's happening out there. But um, we hear a lot from people. I've had private calls from people who are Russian who don't want their names ever released because yeah. their family will be in jeopardy. Yeah, yeah this is this is uh, true. Now in Russia, this uh, uh, machine, let's say, this um, military machine, it just started. In Belarus, it's uh, a professional one. I was myself when I was studying. I was going each and every time on the street. I have many pictures, um, me demonstrating in national costumes. And I did everything I could in the time when I was there. But, you know, when you look in the eyes of these KGB people, you are just really short before to be imprisoned also. And... If you are not the entire country, it's difficult to do anything. And people here have an assumption that it's it's could be done, but nobody can imagine, really not imagine the level of this observation, control, total dictatorship, total, everywhere. Everything is heard, the telephones everything observed any movement the people are prevented of doing nothing uh, of doing something going on the street uh, gathering together it's not easy because <laughs> here in in uh, in this world uh, you know free world we just assume the freedom is granted and you can do this and that no you can't 
Well, we're so happy that you are here in Luxembourg with your family and also creating this wonderful company, Scroble. Let's try to change the mood into happier things and let's talk about this upcoming event that you have to celebrate your success with Scroble and also to bring Marta into the story as well. A little bit of comedy, always in the darkest times of life. We need a little bit of lightness too. So tell us about your event that's happening next week. Yes, this is what we need. Comedy, (laughs) some fun. And also, this is the reason why I say, nevertheless, everything what happens is like, you know, life needs to go on. And even in in the war, people singing and making jokes and trying to get the mood together, to be strong and to see forward. And this is important. This is the reason also why we said we do this comedy, and this is also, <laughs> I, I would say, the personal part is in it, of course, um, also, but we need to be positive. And what I said before is just to give you a picture, but my mood, my mindset is always very positive. So, and uh, yeah, coming back to <laughs> the question about uh, the event, uh, we decided to make this event to um, gather all the community around the project together, because I think there is a lot of things which we can show and explain and which are not displayed via social media. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, because it's it's a completely new concept. Yes. And in fact, it needs a small bit of explanation. I needed you to explain Scroble yes. to me because it is such a new idea that not everybody will understand the the amount of work and thought that you've put into it. So it's amazing and rather unusual that you're creating this event. So Marta, tell me, you met Anna actually through your own comedy. So tell us about uh, how you met Anna. Actually, it was through the entrepreneurial world. We, oh. we met already a few years ago at this, uh, it's, I think it's Feed for Start. And I I don't know, I think we just literally bumped into each other after the event. And I tend to loiter around these sort of events because I'm always in awe of people who literally just create something out of their own ideas. Because uh, I live in a completely different corporate world. Used to, uh, until used to. you started creating <laughs> your own ideas and doing exactly the same thing in comedy. Well, this is the thing. Comedy is very much like a startup. You start with an idea and you're willing to take a risk and see where it takes you. And sometimes, uh, <laughs> like we figured out that sometimes it works, uh, sometimes it doesn't. But it's literally tweaking and, and, and at least taking that chance. Mm-hmm. And... I know that you've also been using Scroble, in fact, and you've ordered a very special dress, I hear. Yeah, so, uh, I, I, I mean, you introduced me as Marta Kuchaya, but I'm starting... Not with that wonderful pronunciation, <laughs> but I, I, I did Sorry, a version of that Kuchaya, yes. Um, but I, I've been thinking that I should come up with a different name for myself, because uh, as a comedian, it feels I like to call her my bitchy alter ego. So oh, she well, is- I think you need a journey to the Himalayas <laughs> yes. to go brainstorm about how to find a new name for yourself. I think this is why Anna and I hit it off from the word go, because we were talking about mountains, because I was telling you about the fundraising trip that I did to Ecuador. So we, we had that mountain connection. And I don't know, sometimes you just meet someone and you just, you just recognize each other somehow in your personality, in the way you're being. And we haven't really spent that much time together. But every time we're together, it's just like this firework explosion. And 
when I started doing comedy, I invited Anna and Anna came to the very first uh, show. Well, it's not, it wasn't even a show, it was an open mic. It's and, a show. It's a show. It was just, yeah, yeah. You're still and, on stage. <laughs> and it was just amazing because we hadn't seen each other. We kind of lost, not necessarily lost touch because we've, we keep um, stalking each other on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow we hadn't seen each other in a very long time. And, and so I suppose when she, you know, I'm used to her crazy ideas. So when she says, you know, how about doing comedy at this event? I was like, I'm game. I have no idea what I'm doing. but <laughs> I And what I, I can do to, to do comedy in that kind of setting Um but this is what I love about comedy as well, is that I'm able to dress in whatever outrageous outfit I want. So there are things that I would never be able to wear at work. So I have, and this is what I'm going to do at the event. I'm going to go through my um, ever-growing comedy wardrobe. So I have things like I've got this uh, leopard print dress with with puffy sleeves Ooh. and... And uh, my latest acquisition, which I'm hoping will arrive on time for the event, is a dress from Ukraine. And I believe Anna has been helping with this. Exactly. So with Scrobo, the nice thing is that when you open the app, you can see wardrobes, capsules. And I think it was even Anna that created that particular wardrobe. And it was of this quite daring black vegan leather um, dress. And I was like, okay, I would never be able to wear that to work or even going out. But comedy? Sure. But it turned out to be a Ukrainian company. And when I saw the dress, I realized that would I ever be able to get my hands on it because it was just a war hit. So I got in touch with Anna. She was in touch with the, with the, uh, with the company in Ukraine. And we figured out, okay, they're not. They're just surviving. And then two weeks later, I get a message saying, well, we're shipping again. And so you can place your order. And my order was the first one that they received after the war started. And they sent me a lovely message on Instagram saying, thank you so much. And so if I ever get that dress to the event, that would be amazing. I have no idea where the dress is. And it doesn't even matter. I just kept thinking, I'm just going to pay them that money um, because that's my way of supporting a company in Ukraine. And I suppose that's all, the whole concept of Scroble as well. Is, is I, I would never be able to buy a dress from Ukraine because I'm in Luxembourg and I wouldn't see it. But because I see it in a capsule and it, it looked amazing because I think, and uh, what did you do? You paired it, I think, with red stilettos yes, and a yes, red scarf. Yes, yes. <laughs> and I just I, I saw the look. One. I saw the look and I was just like, this is something I have to wear for a comedy show. So, so yeah, th this is where I think fashion and comedy can go in hand, hand in hand because, you know, women, we do get judged by what we wear. And comedy is a way of expressing, expressing yourself, expressing yourself mm -hmm. in, a, in a creative way, not just by speaking, but also by what you wear. And does it give you extra confidence when you go out in that low V-neck vegan leather dress from Ukraine? If, when, if and when it arrives, it will arrive, it will arrive. Um, what do you think you're going to feel like? Or have you worn things that have just made you feel amazing? Um, I, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say this, but uh, the, the name of my sketch is MILF. So that's <laughs> people can so, Google what that means if exactly, they don't know yeah, already. Yeah, so I'm just quickly slipping there. But that's, <laughs> that's the whole thing is that you think of a sketch, you think of the theme. And I thought the dress would fit the part. So I think it would. <laughs> but, but the question is, uh, I mean, I'm still in that. I don't know if you've watched Miss Congeniality with Sandra Bullock. Yeah. But uh, so she's basically um, a cop that goes into this pageant 
and there's a famous scene where she has to wear a bikini and she doesn't have any confidence and Michael Caine just says to her, you know, just go out there and think of the Dalai Lama. And she's she's there and she's trying not to laugh and so she keeps telling herself, Dalai Lama, Dalai Lama, Dalai Lama. And this is what I do. <laughs> I, go, I go into my comedy and I just, you know, because playing the part sometimes it, takes out of you um, because it's out of your comfort zone already being in front of people doing comedies out of your comfort zone but trying to be that kind of outrageous person it does take some some work but it's getting there every time I do it it's it gets easier well well done for you for for taking that entrepreneurial leap into comedy and it's so lovely to hear all of these stories that are really connected, you know, from you, Charles-Louis, to everything that you've created and the platform that you've enabled and the meetups that you've enabled, which bring people together like this. And Anna, we wish you the very best at this event next week. Of course, we'll put all the details on the website. I know you'd love people to join and to, you know, help you with this beta testing. I think we're in the beta testing phase now for Scrobel, is that right? Uh, yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. We have uh, gathered together 50 brands from all around the world. We have them from South America, from North America, from Australia, from Asia, from Japan, from UK, from Africa. We have one, yes. Uh, so they are from everywhere to check the demand. And um, yeah, they are all with amazing clothes on our platform, um, ready to be discovered, to be played with, to be shopped. And of course, you can enjoy Marta's. Well, I was I, I paused there because I'm thinking, are you still Marta or have you come up with this alter ego name? I haven't come up with a name now, so I'll have to. <laughs> I'm sure on some mountain retreat hiking in the Himalayas, thinking of Dalai Lama in a bikini, you're going to come up with a great well, name. Well, Anna and I, we, it's not mountains. We were thinking of actually a, a girl's week away doing yoga and surf. So I think maybe inspiration will yeah. come to us then. That sounds very yes. nice indeed. Wow. Well, I wish you... I, so I'm feeling a bit excluded here. <laughs> Charles-Louis, thank you so much, all of you. Thank for you. your time Thank and you have so a fantastic much. event next week and Charles-Louis congratulations with everything that Silicon Luxembourg has done so far and I'm quite sure that you're going to continue to grow and become this media platform to rival Hortiel dare I say <laughs> Thank you for, for the invitation and I'm, yeah, I'm very pleased with this discussion to see the entrepreneurial mindset uh, to be honest uh, I think what is important is also that uh, something also I learned and we, we see in this discussion that is uh, how you, you market yourself also and how you you, you you become entrepreneur. Even you, Lisa, with the your your, your radio show with, uh, with with your name. I mean, it's uh, really important when you you believe in your project that um, your project is also uh, yeah what you what you feel uh, really every day. And so yeah, I was really amazed by the yeah discovering also meeting Marta, uh, talking again with uh, Anna and so on. So yeah, uh, keep going. I think. Thank you so much for this. Thank you, Charles-Louis. You yeah. are really also the support of Scrobble. I need to mention it because I was also uh, joining Startup Apro when we had the lockdown and all these amazing, really amazing actions towards startup community. It's not only he- helpful, it's like so essential and necessary and um, all this exposure, it's something what startups really need like food and water. And you're providing it. So thank you again. What a wonderful community you've created. It's, it's really great to be a part of this conversation today. Thank you so much, everybody. And have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Thank weekend. you. Bye-bye.